You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you can get podcasts. Aw, you didn't have to go so all out for my birthday. Yes, we did. Because birthdays are about showing your friends how much you care for them and how grateful you are for their... This is Jamie from Progressive. No, this is a great time. Progressive protects you 24-7. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry that happened. <clears throat> Jamie. Can you hold on one second? Uh, I gotta take this call. But remember, birthdays are about togetherness. Contact us 24-7 on the phone, online, or on the mobile app. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Covered subject to policy terms. This is a podcast from Minute Media. This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome to a Wednesday edition of the Yanks Go Yard Podcast. I'm Adam Weinrib alongside Thomas Carinante. It's too early to be planning the parade. It's too early to be planning where you're going to be for a potential wild card game, but it's never too early to celebrate a seven-game win streak that has put the Yankees in the driver's seat for a playoff spot seven games after it looked like they were dead in the water. Two games in the loss column behind Toronto has turned to three ahead. They're two and a half up on the Seattle Mariners who are temporarily ahead of the Jays. And they're two games up on the Boston Red Sox with five remaining. Again, the Red Sox face nothing but tomato cans for the last five games. It's still an uphill climb to get that home field advantage, but you're starting to smell it a little bit. And oh, by the way, there's a hate update coming in this podcast because the Red Sox did drop the first game of six straight against Baltimore and Washington. Baltimore and Washington. Folks, make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review along with a mailbag question. We'll be more than happy to answer it. Thomas Carinante, welcome to the pod. Good vibes. Giancarlo Stanton did it again, and it's all thanks, partially thanks, to a lucky-ass turtle. It's absolutely unbelievable. I can't even... What he's doing right now has it has to absolve him from the average Yankees Yankees fan booing him ever again for anything. Um, 
I've given, like I've said a million times before, I've given him such a hard time because things were not looking good. He was in, he was top 50 in OPS. He was top like 70 in home runs at some point this season. It just was not looking good. Um, the August, September he's out, he's turned it around and it's truly unbelievable what he's been able to do. Um, he has more RBIs over the last four games than the Red Sox have run scored 13 to 11. Mm -hmm. Um, Pretty hilarious stuff. Uh, yeah, the turtle Bronxy, uh, Nestor Cortez convinced the team to get something. Hey, you know, this life, man, take care of something else. You know, give, give something else some love and attention. You take care. Anybody could take care of themselves. At least we hope so. Um, that should be that should be the, the, the bare minimum for us as as a species. <laughs> so very glad the Yankees have adopted a turtle uh, who, by the way, could not go to Canada because of these international laws. Pretty wacky. Um, but the Yankees did get the seven to two victory on Tuesday night in honor of Bronxy. Um, and uh, enough really cannot be said about this. Oh, go on. No, no. I mean, just so we're clear, having a pet turtle that is lucky is awesome. Very cool. Having lucky jerseys is extremely lame and you should go to jail. <laughs> this is on. <laughs> this is the antithesis of the Yankee season. You know, they don't have they didn't have like the fun, cool rally things. They didn't have like any team bonding type stuff that made you think like, oh, like these guys are cool friends. Luis Severino's return to the dugout, man. I love it. Hugging guys. They're all chatting, having fun. Um, I, I like the energy of the team right now. I know Bronxy sounds very silly and childish in theory, but this, no, is the stuff you need. this is the stuff you need to kind of rally the troops, get people together, get people talking, get people pumped. I know a turtle isn't exactly going to get you pumped, but apparently this is fun for them. So th that's what we want. We want the vibes relaxed. We want this to continue. 7-2 to win on Tuesday night in honor of Bronxy. Um, <laughs> this Yankee season, dude, is going to, like, you could fucking replay this thing on Yes for the next 10 years. This is the most unbelievable, bizarre campaign that we, I can't even remember the last one. I, I don't know what's going on. The Yankees continue to prove us wrong and, and leave us with our jaws on the floor. On what what reason? What proved anything to us that they were going to go on this seven-game win streak and take control of the wild card race? Literally nothing. Absolutely nothing. They were playing horrible baseball after a 13-game winning streak. They were treading water. They did dispatch of the Texas Rangers, but like if that didn't happen then you're talking about, all right, everybody's out, clean and house, we're figuring it out, starting a new tomorrow. Um, now they're 90 and 67, top spot in the wild card. Like you said, two ahead of the Red Sox, th three ahead of the Jays, two and a half ahead of the Mariners. Um, we could take a breather, like you just said before this pod. We could take a breather because it feels good winning the first, uh, uh, what is it, seven games of this, or I guess four games of this real nine, uh, however many. Yeah, the, gaunt, the gauntlet they've yeah, won the, the first. Yeah, game. we are looking down this nine-game stretch being like, oh, great. Now uh, now it's up to literal fate. We don't know what's going to happen, and it's it's probably going to be disappointing. Um, and can't talk enough about yesterday, really. Jamison Tyone leaves after two and a third innings, and you're like, oh, shit. Well, uh, hopefully he's okay. We haven't gotten, we have not gotten a substantial update there. Correct? No, but yeah. Yeah, you're, I mean, yeah. it's you're probably not, not him good. again. Yeah. A couple, two weeks ago or what? It was only like two weeks ago, yeah. I guess three when he went down, it was like, he has an ankle tear, Yeah. but, but he'll be back in three weeks. And we were Very like, bizarre. good, good luck with all that. And he came back and threw two and a third grade innings and they don't win that game without him holding it down. But I don't think we're going to see him again this year. Sadly. Um, 
executed. It goes, I mean, it goes into the off season as a feather in the cap. You can't yeah. look at Tyone's season and be like, that was terrible. I mean, no. great season. It's probably over, but great season. Yeah, it was, cert- it, it was exactly what the Yankees needed. They needed to lengthen the rotation with quality innings. I think they got that for the most part. It's been a roller coaster for him, but why would it not be? He missed the last two years with very troubling injuries. Second Tommy John surgery, testicular cancer. We've talked about it at length. Um, funny enough, fucking best pitch of the night he executes while coming down on that ankle. And then that's it. Um, yeah. glad that he didn't try to tough it out because you don't want to see it getting worse. Maybe it was just, a, I, look, we, we don't know exactly what it is, but I like when guys are just like, you know what? I'm done this. I'm not, I'm not fighting through this. Yankees had the bullpen to do it. They go six, um, and two thirds give up one run on two hits and three walks. You can't ask for anything better than that. Um, and uh, we saw Luis Severino again in this one looked fairly good. Chad Green, another scoreless frame. Clay Holmes looked the worst he has and still delivered a scoreless frame. Um, so it, it, the, the fact that we grabbed this first one in Toronto with Cole coming up next uh, really, really allows this team to play more relaxed. And we know they're better when they're playing more relaxed. So the last four games have really been a blessing for this team, changing the entire season. And hopefully we're seeing more of this laid back. Like, look at the hits last night. You don't see you don't see that game tying home run from Aaron Judge. If this team is not playing relaxed, we've seen it a a ton of times where they're playing scared. You don't see that sack fly from Aaron Judge. If this team is not playing relaxed, you probably don't see that Stanton home run. Probably the most. Did you see that stat? The lowest home run he's ever hit. The lowest ball off the ground he's ever hit in his career was one point like two nine feet off the ground. Mm hmm. Absolutely mm-hmm. insane. And mm-hmm. Michael K, Michael K in the booth, uh, poked out to left field. If it's scooped. fair, it might have scooped out. It scooped out to left field. If it's fair, it it might be gone. It's it's got two decks up, seventy feet fair. Like what? <laughs> insane. But hey, look, seven runs. Gio Rochelle with the home run in the ninth. Good vibes right now. Thanks, Bronxy. Love it. I was going to say two brilliant little bits of hitting in that game. And, you know, it's going to be forgotten for, a, a, I guess. I mean, look, the, everything ends up folding in on itself. When you win three straight games because of a Giancarlo Stanton seventh or eighth inning home run, you start to be like, Geez, I mean, come on. Yep. Like your body just makes sounds like the third one is the least impressive theoretically. But I'm only going to write that in like 10 point font. Because you're not, you're simply not going to beat two out Grand Slam to take a five two lead at Fenway, two out, uh, two run shot to turn it into just a mm-hmm. you know a massive exhale, uh, turn it into a six three game from a four three game, and then turning a three two win into a six two game in the seventh inning is also monstrous, and yet somehow is the third biggest thing that he's done in the last three games. <laughs> um, that stand, the pitch he hit out, the change up at the feet was basically perfectly executed, and it proved that you cannot pitch to this man right now. There's nothing wrong with that pitch. Best case scenario, you pop that up or dribble it to third, basically. And no, Giancarlo Stanton hit it to the second deck in fair territory using a swing that none of us have ever seen before. Our only complaint about Stanton, really, is that usually if you execute your pitch, you can get him. And that's not even really a complaint because that's how Major League Baseball works. Guy throws a perfect pitch, you can't hit it. He executed that pitch basically to perfection. Stanton sniffed out the changeup and put a swing on it that we've never seen before. And in the first inning of this game, or the second time he came up, sorry, the first time he actually did strike out with runners on second and third. Mm-hmm. Forgiven, by the way. Totally to forgiven. 
Um, but the second time he came up, he grounded one to short and like folded in on himself like a Murphy bed collapsing. It was really <laughs> weird. And people kind of thought he was hurt. They kept showing us the dugout. The cameraman in this game was terrible, but it kind of <laughs> felt like he was trying to show us the Yankee dugout to prove Stanton wasn't in it. He kept showing us Judge looking at the iPad and other people wandering around. I was like, where's Stanton? Please just, just show me him. Tell me he's not getting treatment for like an oblique problem. Um, and then lo and behold, he came out to the on-deck circle and then eventually hit a monster crazy three-run home run. But don't forget the Gio Urshela home run too, which was almost an equally good job of of hitting. Yeah, really good. Right? Like that, a curveball on the inside corner perfectly executed. He brought his hands in and looped it on a harsh liner over the left field wall. Also just a crazy thing that a player does when he's locked in. And Urshela hasn't been locked in but he does have shell in his name. So I guess like it's a Bronxy thing. Like if you've, if you're a shell man, then mm. Bronxy, the turtle is going to help you put a perfect swing on a baseball. I, I can't believe what we're seeing. Like every single one of these. So the first game against the Red Sox was a must win. Absolutely got to win that. The second game against Boston, I started to exhale because I know they only have to win two out of three. So I start being like, well, they don't have to win today. They got to win tomorrow puts all the pressure on Sunday night baseball. But again, you know, whatever has to happen has to happen. They win the second one on the Stanton granny. And then you're like, well, you know, Sunday night baseball is cake. Who cares? Then the Yankees take a lead. They blow it on dropping. <laughs> they dropped baseballs. And then it's kind of like, all right, well, that's the only thing that couldn't happen. That is going to be a horrible loss. And then you're going to wake up on Tuesday, absolutely needing to win game one in Toronto and Toronto's hungry. That gets a little scary. And lo and behold, the Yankees come back and win Sunday night. And then you're like, well, the opener on Tuesday is cake. We don't, I mean, Toronto's going to want it more than we do. We all we need to do is win one of the three games in Toronto. Two out of three would be wonderful. Two out of three would render the Tampa Bay series basically pointless. One out of three would help us survive. And then you get to that first game. It's 3-2. Gary Sanchez makes a huge play to get Bo Bichette at third, mm -hmm. by the way, in Clay Holmes' bad inning, where he did walk two after walking just one in 24 innings previously as a Yankee. Soon as Gary makes that play, you start to exhale a little bit. You see Chad Green in the bullpen. You start to tense up again, and Stan hits that homer. Complete release. Now the Yankees keep kicking that cake game down the road. Theoretically, Wednesday with Garrett Cole on the mound is a bit of a cake game. I'm going to be a little bit less nervous, but you know what? They can't be because they can't let up for even one second because now that they've kicked it this far down the road, keep kicking it down the road. The Red Sox lost on Tuesday night. Who knows if they're ever going to lose again? The Blue Jays get the Orioles in the final series of the season. If you're hot, win winnable games. Don't breathe. And it's it's nerve-wracking to play every game like that, but what the hell? Just keep winning. I know. And you look at the Blue Jays, and I'm not saying we're going to win tonight or we're even going to win the series because you don't know when this team can, can start uncorking it again. But No, you don't. 41 runs over their last 13 games. They're six and seven in those games. This team, I know they have good pitching, but this, th this offense and their aggression and their ability to hit for power and average and be, and, and be uh, super aggressive on the base paths. That's made the blue Jays, the blue Jays, the pitching has certainly helped and, and has provided a nice uh, kind of backboard for them. But if Vladdy and Marcus Simeon and Bo Bichette aren't all kind of, firing on all cylinders, or at least, you know, you throw in Teoscar Hernandez or Lord Lord Scorial Jr. in there. Springer has uh, been terrible too. Spring, yeah. Springer's batting 239, really just not great. 
Uh, trying season season for him, though. He's been constantly injured and in and out of the lineup. Um, but yeah, I mean, Garrett Cole has largely handled the Blue Jays this year, aside from opening day where he was mediocre. I think he went five and a third and gave up two, and then he left the last start against the Blue Jays with that hamstring injury. The other two starts were good. I think he, I think it was eight innings, two earned, and he got the win, and the other one was like six and a third, no earned, and he got the win. So He was nasty in Florida. I remember yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and look, the Yankees will have Chapman available tonight. Um They'll have the you got to think Severino's probably available after his yeah. light workload over the weekend and just 15 pitches last night. I'd give Clay Holmes a rest. Um, so if Cole can give six strong, dude, we're I mean, I'm not calling it a win, but it's it's lining up for the Yankees very well. We were kind of pessimistic about Tyone starting on Tuesday because it's like, dude, you're on a roll. Why are you starting a guy coming off the I.L. who hasn't had a start in a while? Um, and has this troubling ankle injury, but you got Michael King back in the bullpen, which we talked about would change the complexion of the entire thing. And he he's able to go uh, two and two thirds, and then you leave it up to four innings to the rest of the guys. And it, it, it's, it's really, really different with, with a number of different uh, names in here, changing how Aaron Boone can deploy them. But I, I'm liking the way Wednesday's looking, especially um, because I think the Yankees probably feel they need to win tonight with Kluber on the mound tomorrow. Kluber's really just not look great. Um, don't really know what we're going to do with him in the postseason either, but I think that's a conversation for another time. Uh, yeah, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, more confidence and the hate update with our beloved Boston Red Sox. Introducing Under Armour's Infinity High Sports Bra. Its ergonomic design is molded to support the natural movement of your body. With cord-out padding, the better breathability eliminates extra bulk without sacrificing support. And quick-dry padding is Under Armour's fastest-drying padding yet. When you're lifting heavy, running fast, and pushing yourself further than ever before, you need a bra that will help you go that extra mile and make you feel your best. Shop the Infinity High Sports Bra now at UA.com. Welcome back to the Yanks Go Yard podcast. It is it does merit a discussion. Corey Kluber probably your four starter in a theoretical playoff series right now, um, and that is the reverberation of the Jameson Tyone injury. But again, when he went down with a torn tendon sheath and was in a walking boot, I don't think any one of us was buying into Aaron Boone's BS that like mm-hmm. you know he could be an option for us. Yeah. And it was kind of amazing that he was even out there on the mound on Tuesday the only reason they really survived that entering the game I think you could have expected four or five innings from Tyone and four or five innings from Ryu on the other side and then it was going to be a battle of the bullpen you kind of just wanted to hold serve through the first five to turn it over to your guys and Michael King was able to do that he he completed the fifth inning he basically he finished Tyone's start for him yeah so the only bullpen member they burned quote-unquote is King who could pitch on Thursday in relief of Kluber. He, and that pitch Corey Dickerson hit dude was fucking impossible. Like that, yeah. that was a great pitch by Michael King. So his one blemish was like, you can't even count it as that. All it takes is one hit like that to bother me again, even coming off a six game winning streak. I'm pissed off and that Corey Dickerson hit falls because <laughs> Corey Dickerson wasn't even supposed to be on this team. Nope. They, they traded for him for like insurance money purposes in the Adam Simber deal. People were like, don't even worry. He's not even going to make it back this year. He's played 40 something games for Toronto and, has been and he's good. hitting 280. Like yeah. that was a complete lie. Why, why even sell me on that shit? What, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, not only is he back, he's been back for a long time and he's on fire. So like, 
MLB media. Once again, I've been railroaded by mainstream Major League Baseball media. Uh, completely gaslit into thinking Corey Dickerson would not be on this team. Uh, he's good everywhere he goes, by the way. I'm not going to do the Corey Dickerson update, but like he's always good. Why, why do people keep dumping him? People continue to dump Corey Dickerson. Moving on. Um, but Michael King was fantastic. He covered exactly what he had to cover. Severino, I thought Severino was going to go the 8th and ninth. I was surprised yeah. they took him out. But that lends more credence to the idea that he is going to be available on Wednesday. And, you know, Wednesday or Thursday. And still, Domingo Herman has to come in at some point. Uh, Jonathan yeah. Loizaga has to get activated at some point. Maybe mm-hmm. they're waiting to do that for as long as they possibly can. You got Andrew Heaney out there gathering dust. It's been 16 days or whatever since he's pitched good but it's been a while since we've seen Andrew Heaney um I don't think any of us expected I mean certainly you and I did not expect the Yankees to be in this position especially with regard to the Blue Jays when they were busy getting swept at home and Andrew Heaney was coming in with the bases loaded or whatever the hell that was and Sal Romano is being called on to protect a tie game just the most abysmal four-game sweep of all time Toronto's numbers were starting to normalize their run differential this year is like plus 160. The Yankees is like plus 70 or 80. Now it's probably a little better than that. Seattle's is minus 50. And yet Seattle and the Jays are neck and neck. And not only are they neck and neck in the standings, but I don't even think at this point you can handicap it in either of their directions. No. Seattle has won 11 straight games against Oakland. 11. <laughs> Oakland is good. 11 and Seattle gets the angels after this. So Seattle against the angels and one more against Oakland, who they own Seattle's a half game ahead of everybody. Uh, Cause they played on Monday for whatever reason. And then they have Thursday off, but Toronto's got us two more times. I'm, you know, I'm never going to lock the Yankees in and be like, we got this, but you know, Toronto against us is challenging for them at this juncture different than it was two weeks ago when you and I left the horrible, boring game where our oldest Chapman came in in the ninth and immediately Jesus. gave up a home run to Vlad Guerrero Jr. Different different dynamic, even on the road. The Yankees are no longer scared. Of course, anyone can lose. Anybody can lose a baseball game, but the Yankees are no longer walking into Toronto as guaranteed losses, as they certainly would have been a couple of weeks ago. Um, so Toronto against the Yankees is scary for them. Uh, they go to Baltimore, and Baltimore is not giving up, folks. Uh, Baltimore mm-hmm. is not finished yet. Um, so there, there is plenty more for them to prove. And, and with that in mind, I, I think it's, I think it's time. Uh, can we, can we cue up that hate update sting, please? You're now listening to Thomas and Adam blasting the Boston Red Sox. This is the hate update. That's right. We don't love the Boston Red Sox and we don't know what the end of their season is going to hold. And we certainly are not going to say anything in this segment. That's going to, Oh, that didn't age well by freezing cold <laughs> takes. That didn't age perfectly. Uh, you know, I, I'm not going to fall victim to, to the freezing cold take screenshotting monster of hilarious internet culture where you're not allowed to say anything at all ever under any circumstances. This is not a commentary on what will happen or might happen moving forward and what the Yankees and Red Sox will do in a hypothetical wild card. This is just to say that Chris sale got a two nothing lead against the Baltimore Orioles in a must win must win. Absolutely got to win game. Ryan Mountcastle took him deep. Hansel Robles coughed up the game. It was 3-2. Ryan McKenna singled 4-2. The Red Sox, after losing the lead and going down 3-2, I believe completed the next two innings at the plate on 12 pitches. Am I correct? 
Thomas Carinante. Um, what a Six, game! The sixteen pitches. Uh, oh, that's the, a shame. The, uh, the final three innings. If you really, if we really want to get this accumulated, uh, twenty-four pitches. So they saw eight. They saw eight pitches per inning from to seven, eight, nine. Um, absolutely laughable. This is Yankee stuff. This is the stuff that we've been watching from the Yankees all year. You're facing yeah. the Orioles. You need to win this. You need to start something. You need to put a put a losing streak behind you. You need to just beat down on an inferior opponent for your own self-confidence. Red Sox come out, two runs, three hits, two errors. Not good defense from this team over the last week that we uh, over the last what five days that we've seen. Um, they weren't particularly sharp against the Yankees in that weekend series. They started back up. <laughs> in Baltimore, whatever the hell they're doing. Uh, uh, who's this guy? Joey Crebiel. Great, great bill. Is that how the you exact say that kind of the exact kind of person that would have destroyed us too? Yeah, like exactly. And then Cole Solcer, they, they, they go 24 pitches combined and they give up zero hits and zero walks in the final three innings with the Red Sox. You know, you could say the series, you could say the season on the line, but Red Sox, once again, in a fortuitous spot, it's Yankees and Jays battling each other. So they're not losing double ground each time they're 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 treading water and someone else's misfortune is going to help them, even if they're not getting the job done. But for me, man, holy shit, this one, Chris Sale, just throwing a temper tantrum on the mound. I hate this guy. I really just don't like him. Gives up the home run to my Ryan Mountcastle and is kicking dirt, screaming in his glove. Did he throw the ball? Like he threw something. Did he just make a throwing motion off the mound? He t- he chucked something. Like he was losing his mind. Like like it like a seventh grader trying to make the summer all star team and like get shelled in the first two innings against <laughs> against his friends and is just you know the, the the rich white the rich kid in in your neighborhood just getting tattooed and he can't handle it. Uh, parents are going are freaking out in the stands. That's just what it what it came off to me as I'm like, dude, like, come on. And then, and now you know why they probably didn't throw him against the Yankees. Yeah. Because what happens, what happens if he gives up a, a fucking grand slam to Giancarlo Stanton against the Yankees? Does he, does he go into the green monster and never come back? I, I don't it know. It looks like it looks like he can't go more than six innings at this point in time, yeah. which like, great that's a good pitcher cool but the Red Sox bullpen is not strong enough where I mean you really do have to consider Evaldi in the wild card game I didn't think yeah. I was going to say that 100%. at this point um but like if you can't get through six innings and you're Chris Sale and this is the Orioles and he's only faced the or he's faced the Orioles three times and the yeah. Rangers and the Twins that's all he faces and if he can't get through six innings against those teams so best case scenario, right? Six innings, no runs, one run or two runs against a good team. Then you're handing it off for three innings of the Red Sox bullpen. And maybe they get lucky. Maybe the Red Sox pummel somebody in the wild card game. It wouldn't shock you. You wouldn't, your jaw wouldn't be on the floor, but in a close game against a good team, that is not what you want to see from Chris Hill, who did eat his glove on the mound after surrendering uh, the Ryan Mountcastle Homer. Yeah. I grew up with a kid who, if you'd beat him in tennis, if you won the first set, he would just start launching returns of serve over the fence. He was so mad at himself. And you would just, if you won the first set, you won the game because he defaulted. He would just leave. He wouldn't play the match. He would just start ripping forehands into the back wall. And it was like, all right, dude, you, you baby. Like, and that's what Chris sale was yesterday. And, and of course, after the game, Chris, everybody's favorite quote machine, the, the two great quotes, Chris sale saying that fucking sucked. What fucking sucked your own, your own pitching. What, what sucked <laughs> you when suck. you say that it sounds like either you, it sounds like you experienced something 
like yeah. you walked into something that fucking sucked. You you did that. You you sucked. You were bad. And then you've got Alex Cora with the audacity. Like we get on Boone for the Boone speak. Who Boone, by the way, vindicated now because apparently the Yankees really can just turn on and off a switch for no yes. reason. So when Boone is like, we're, we're going to turn the corner tomorrow, I think. And we're like, what, what are you talking about, you moron? Like, apparently they can do that. So maybe Aaron Boone actually a genius. But Alex Cora doing the Boone speak in the postgame going, look, it's about winning series at this time of year. No, it's not. It's not about winning series against the Baltimore Orioles who have 106 losses. You have to have higher expectations for your own team than that, especially after getting swept by the Yankees. You must sweep that Orioles series. Look, the Red Sox could still end up hosting the wild card game. Yeah. It would not shock anybody. No. The Yankees, again, are never going to be hotter than they, they might be as hot as they are right now. They're not getting hotter and they've won the first four in must win stretches. And they've got two more against Toronto in Toronto and three against the Rays at Yankee stadium. And the Rays are not giving up and taking the foot off the gas pedal for even one second. And I know that. And I 100% am aligned and the Red Sox are still in an advantageous position because they woke up today and they've still got five games left against the absolute dregs of major league baseball. But you cannot be Alex Cora and cross your arms and say you're satisfied with winning series against these awful, awful teams with nothing to play for other than embarrassing you. And they embarrassed you on Tuesday. Totally. It was it, like I said, a Yankees esque performance where it's just every, every that feels like the sky's falling, especially after that sweep where you need, where you need some sort of motivation to, to, to get that out of the way. Didn't do it. And you know what else could be affecting them? I just want to pile it on while we're here because I, I, I need this. I need this right now for myself <laughs> jd martinez's contract uh uh comments yesterday very bizarre kind of timing to go on the radio and talk about obviously i know he was presented the question but also very bizarre timing for the media to kind of pile this on like look yankees have a lot of contract issues what's aaron judge's status is he getting extended what's yeah. are they are they tendering gary sanchez a contract in the offseason we got plenty of things to talk about. I don't think the media is going around asking. You just got swept by the Yankees and the media is asking J.D. Martinez what his opt-out situation is for the offseason. Why? And then J.D. Hmm. Martinez responds three times the same thing. I'm right in the middle. I'm right in the middle of it. I am right in the middle of this decision. I, I, I'm right in the middle of the It's like, what, dude? First of all, that would be great for the Yankees. J.D. Martinez has absolutely pasted the Yankees since joining the Red Sox. By the way, this was a bargain deal for them to begin with. I don't know if you remember that. He came off an incredible year uh, with the Tigers, and then he got traded to the D-backs at the deadline. Finished the year, I think, with 45 bombs, had an OPS over 1,000, um, and then somehow fell into that free agent class where like nobody was getting paid or there was like a lull in terms of like, oh, we're going to wait to sign these guys because they don't have the leverage. Yeah. He should have gotten a bigger contract, in my opinion. Uh, who's to say, really? But he ends up signing a five-year, $110 million deal with Boston, who, once again, has all the money in the world. They, they, they keep doing this. They sign a GM from a, 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 a fake poor franchise that just likes to do things their own way. Now the Red Sox all of a sudden want to turn into this cost-effective, um, you know, uh, machine that that just doesn't seem to uh engage in any human elements aside from their manager uh 
So that deal was already advantageous for them. Then they get lucky because his first opt-out comes after the 2020 season, which was killed by the pandemic. And he hit like 220 with like a six something OPS because he didn't have his video room access. So why in God's name is he going to opt out of that deal, leave $19.5 million on the, or leave, I guess. Yeah. I mean the $19.5 million for his salary this year on the table when he had no leverage in free agency and you knew that all these owners were not going to be spending big money this off season for the most part because of the pandemic. So now he has one more chance at a payday and he's been having a very good year for the Red Sox. Um, he's hitting 283, I think with like an 860 OPS, 20 bomb, 20 something bombs, almost 90 something RBIs. He's going to finish the year very well, especially if he can get hot against these bad teams over the last five games. But he's talking about this after a Yankee sweep or the Boston media is at least presenting this question. And he's indicating that there's a potential out after the Red Sox have overachieved mightily this year, and they're going to potentially lose one of their best hitters, and they're going to be back to the drawing board, and now they have a GM in Bloom who is probably instructed not to spend big money this offseason. So maybe you could look at it as a win if you're a delusional Red Sox fan. You're like, oh, $20 million coming off the books. We could get five players They that love price. that. Of course they love that, and they don't even know why they love it. They're just they're, they're like, oh, yeah, I love this now because that's what my team does. There's no, account, no, no holding the team accountable with this fan base, for the most part, in my opinion. I know there's Red Sox fans who are who are frustrated with the Mookie Betts situation, who are frustrated with whatever happened over the last year and a half. But Yeah, not enough. No, not enough. And now J.D. Martinez talking about leaving, and you have to think it's possible that he leaves. He's going to be entering his age 34 season next year. He's going to want maybe one more big time payday. And if the universal DH is coming, baby, you better believe there's going to be more interest in him. So not good for the Red Sox. That's my hate update update. I tell you what, St. Louis doesn't want JD Martinez as the DH next year. I did. That'd be great. Is that not not something St. Louis might want? Why would the Dodgers Um, not want him? Yeah, I don't know. He's only 34. Yeah, only 34. He's so consistently good. Like he, he and John Carlos Stanton end seasons with the same output, yep. but Martinez just doesn't take weeks off. Yeah. Like, and I don't think, you know, I don't really think that matters in the grand seasons are 162 seasons long a season. for a reason. You only have to be hot at, you know, if you're hot in October, you're hot in October, but it does feel like Martinez never really takes a day off except for last year when again, he couldn't get into his video room. <laughs> so hopefully like whatever team he ends up signing with has, you know, an extensive video room or or some sort of code breaking scheme that might potentially benefit the <laughs> offense. Um, that might help. I, I just, yeah, the the constantly these fans. I mean, this is now just the hate update society. I hate society, but fans who are constantly looking to shave a little money off the payroll. I just, I still don't think that's what rooting should be. I no. understand. It's sustainable in Tampa. And if you look at Tampa's minor league system this year, it's stupid. And there was a tweet that lined it up that came out yesterday that basically they've either got the best record at every level of the minors or went deep into the minor league playoff at Mm -hmm. every single level. They're unstoppable. They really are a player development machine. That is the difference between them and everybody who tries to imitate them you can't just be tampa with a big budget if your player development machine isn't the same as tampa um so we'll see what high bloom does clearly there is some i mean intangible scouting uh you know genius involved there nick york their first round pick who everybody hated seems like he's really good um from mm-hmm. last year that's like an anthony volpe situation they, they've broken out at the same time so if bloom has that raise player development machine going then that's a different story 
but you have this new generation of fans who would look at JD Martinez opting out and be like, yes, we have 19.5, shave $19.5 million off my spreadsheet. Let's go. <laughs> like that's such a lame view of fandom to just be looking at prospects. You can cycle into your major league team so that in two years, you can eventually get rid of them for new prospects. <laughs> and then like, if you have a transcendent, like the 2018 Red Sox were the best team I've seen since the 98 Yankees. And to think that their fans are really going to be like, I'm glad we traded Ben Intendi. He was terrible. I'm glad we got rid of Jackie Bradley Jr. He's not hitting in 2021 at all. I'm glad we traded Mookie Betts because we got Alex Verdugo and, and JD Martinez is gone too. Yippee Kaye. Like it's just such an embarrassing way to live your life. And I know that Andrew Ben Intendi is struggling this year. And I know the Red Sox probably made the right decision pulling the trigger on him. And I know that Bradley Jr. has been bad. I just hate when the fans take a victory lap, when their beloved players leave and struggle just so that they can burn and churn some more money in, in different uses of those dollars. That's what I hate. Of course, Andrew Benintendi was maybe somebody you, you want to cut bait on, but I want Red Sox fans mourning it and thanking him for the memories from 2011 instead of being like, actually, we are wizards. Like they're going to do it with Christian Vasquez this year too, by the way. I saw a tweet yesterday that was like, I think it accompanied the Martinez stuff. And it was basically like another underrated place where they can look to shed is Christian Vasquez is a top 10 catcher, both offensively and defensively, but they have Connor Wong and they need to get rid of money and blah, 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 et cetera. Don't be shocked by a trade. Remember when they were going to trade Christian Vasquez to the Rays last year? Yep. Like that's, that's another one where they're going to go from beating their chest about how Christian Vasquez is better than your catcher to trading him. And then when Christian Vasquez hits 220 with subpar defense at his next stop, wherever that may be, they're going to be like, look, we told you, Haim is a wizard. Like, I just want people to have emotional attachment to players again. That's what I'm saying. Feel bad for Andrew Benintendi that he's struggling. Don't do a victory lap because some executive decided he wanted to maximize his payroll. Yeah, it's that's that's the thing with rooting for teams like I know we, we the bandwagon society. Everyone's like, oh, you root for players. It's like, I mean, what you root for a shirt, you root for a logo like, yeah, at the end of the day, you have your team. But yeah, you should have an emotional attachment to the actual humans playing the game. The guys that did, you know, created memories for you, lasting memories and brought you a championship or got you to the playoff or literally anything. Just like, you know, some guys are cool in post-game interviews and they make a not great season a little bit more fun. Um, so, yeah, let, like we said, let's let's just bring the human element back a little bit. Let's not turn into baseball Westworld. Don't want that. Don't want that. Um, anything else you want to talk Yankees before we sign off? I mean, uh, uh, I, I feel like we got it, but yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm like, I'm loving the Yanks. My only concern right now is Kluber. Um, yeah. we'll, we'll see more from him on Thursday, but since he's returned from the IL, uh, four, eight, five ERA, 1.35 whip, really not that great. Stuff's largely looked flat. Um, but, uh, like we said, if the Yankees can have a, at least three starters that look great and they do, in Cole, Nestor, and Monty, I don't think this is an issue. I think Kluber as a fourth is actually a luxury. I think if you're in a DS and Kluber needs to piggyback someone, I'm kind of on board with that. If he's got to come in for a few innings, different looks. Um, I, th that's my only concern right now. Obviously, my other concern is just this not happening anymore because we know how the Yankees just stop doing the good play and they turn into the bad team again, um, yeah. the inexplicable season uh, start to finish in terms of the bad and the good. You don't understand any of the bad. You don't understand how the good just starts popping out uh, out of nowhere. Uh, another thing I'm worried about that just popped up in my timeline. 
Uh, some fucking how baseball and the Players Association have not determined COVID-19 protocols for the postseason, which starts in five days. What is wrong with this league? What is wrong with this league? This happened last year before the start of the season. It took them three months to figure anything out. Not only did it take them three months to figure everything out, but the last thing on the docket was figuring out how, how can we tame this virus with a week after, with a week before we start? What is wrong with, I, I don't get it. Every other league has this set in stone NBA, whether you're pro-vax or not, don't really give a shit, figure it out, do your research if you have to. NBA has done what they have to do to get guys in line. NFL, Roger Goodell has figured that out. Roger Goodell, apparently the worst commissioner in sports, has gotten, gotten that in line. We've seen very few COVID outbreaks among that. It has not interrupted the season. Now we're going into the postseason, which is the most you're going to see packed stadiums more so than you ever would. There's going to be cross-country travel. It's not going to stop. It's not like last year. So what? Why? I don't get it. Last year, after game six of the World Series, they had a COVID positive guy licking bat knobs on the field. So <laughs> I, I expect nothing less of Major League Baseball, who blacks out the vast majority of their games for the people that actually watch it. How, how about that wonderful system, too? Yeah. Thanks for subscribing to MLB TV. You can watch Royals Rangers, but not the team that you live in the city of. Hope good, good money. That's a, that's why you spend money for sure. Um, yeah, terrible league, terrible league that we all love and specifically love one team in. I was trying to enter Tuesday night's game, giving myself a little emotional break, saying, well, they don't need this as long as they get one in the next two or two in the next two. And then midway through the game when they were down 2-1 on the Corey Dickerson hit, I was like, God damn it, they really need this game. Everybody who said that we couldn't take a victory lap after the Red Sox series was right. They were all right. And then, of course, they stormed back, take control of that game. And what a win. I'm going to try to take my mental foot off my mental gas pedal on Wednesday, but I guarantee you for 7 o'clock, it's not going to happen. Um, and again, for the people who said don't enjoy the Red Sox series, the amazing Red Sox series, one of the best series of the last decade or two decades of Yankee baseball in the regular season. For everybody who said don't enjoy because the season's not over yet, shut your goddamn mouths. Enjoy <laughs> what you want to enjoy while the season is still ongoing because if terrible things happen to the Yankees and you didn't enjoy the good things, then you're just going to be locked in a depression cycle. Enjoy the good, tolerate the bad. That is it. For this Wednesday edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast, make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review along with a mailbag question. We'd be more than happy to answer that. I've never done consecutive podcasts like this in my life. Nope. Fenway Park Series with fans gave me, uh, you know, rejuvenated me like nothing else. And going into game one in Toronto and winning that game the way that they did, I mean, you can't expect more from Stan. You can't expect more from the guys. What a freaking series. You can find me... On Twitter, at Adam Weinrib, I'm going to try to be normal. I've been normal the past couple of days, but I could break at any moment. The dam could burst. I just don't know. Thomas Carinante, where can the people find you? At Tommy's underscore takes. Uh, we're all volatile. We can all break. It's not a big deal. We'll, we'll get over it. Um, you can also find us at yanksgoyard.com. We got a lot of content there for you. We're having a good time with it. Talk to us on the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account at yanksgoyard.fs. We'll specifically be there. Um the rest of the way during games. Uh, that's the most fun part. A uh, little tidbit here. I want to uh, just uh, more good vibes before we log off here. So the Yankees heading into the season had based on whatever book you were looking at 10 to one or 11 to one odds to win the world series. Um, now they are in some places you will look 
12 to 1 or 13 to 1 odds. So after all that we've dealt with, at one point, the Yankees were like 22 to 1 odds to win the World Series after they had struggled and were out of the playoff picture and whatnot. Their odds have almost normalized and gone back to where they were when they were the American League favorites before the season started. So more good news for you guys to take away. Let's keep the positive vibes going. Another big game tonight. We'll see you next on Friday. And man, it'd be great if we're talking about a sweep, wouldn't it? But we're not going to get ahead of ourselves. Can't get ahead of myself, but I'll also get a little bit ahead of myself. Um, Yeah, I mean, do I check my celebrity followers every time the Yankees have a close game and I'm tweeting annoying bullshit? Absolutely. They haven't unfollowed yet, and I hope you join them in not unfollowing me or Thomas. We'll see you on Friday. At Progressive, you can get 24-7 protection, even if you break the space-time continuum. We did it. We time traveled to yesterday. Wait, Progressive covers us 24-7, but we just created an eight-day week, and it's 24-7 coverage, not 24-8. We gotta go back. Are you joking right now? Shh, I'm calling them. Hi, I have a question about time travel. Progressive offers more than a great price when you bundle home and auto. We offer round-the-clock protection, which literally means anytime. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.